Hey, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and together with Bruce, we have, well, not only been married, but also written 36 <laughs> cookbooks. <laughs> we share a career. Can you believe that somebody actually shares a career and a life and a house and a marriage and two colleagues and the whole thing? It's really, honestly, thank God for therapy. But, but one of our friends believes we never fight. Oh, I know. This was so crazy. We were at a party the other night, and somebody said that the, she couldn't fathom that we fought. And she, I, I can't thought, even imagine you two fighting. Oh, my God. I thought, you don't know me very well. You don't know how vicious I can get. Because let's just face it, I would rather be right than happy every day of the week. So so there you go. Um, In this episode of the podcast, Cooking with Bruce and Mark, we're not going to talk about fighting. We're going to talk about kitchen remodel trends. We have kind of tracked down some trends from country living, house and garden, good housekeeping, Forbes, a bunch of places. And we've consolidated them for what is new in kitchens and what are the big trends coming. We've got our one-minute cooking tip. Bruce has got an interview with a woman who has opened a bagel shop here near where we live. And this is one of our food entrepreneur interviews. And mm-hmm. I actually love these because I love listening to people's stories as they generate their own businesses and make their dreams of a food business come true. Well, this is Blue House Bagels. So wait till you hear this interview. And of course, we're going to talk about what's making us happy in food this week. I would love to remodel our kitchen. Um, One day, maybe we will. And some of these... (laughs) We did... Okay, wait. So stop. So we moved out of New York City in 2006, and we moved to very, very rural New England. And at that point, we did remodel the kitchen. We did not change the footprint, but we changed... We put granite in. We changed some things about the counters. We put stoves in and dishwashers and a big farmhouse sink and stuff like that, but we didn't change the footprint. We didn't, and that was 17 years ago. But So here are some things that we might consider um, if we are going to ever redo our kitchen and you might want to consider. Well, at least these are the things that are trendy Well, I can tell you the first thing is something I won't do. Um, wallpaper is back. I know. You know, this Ew, is so I don't funny. Want wallpaper. Well, I don't either. I grew up with wallpaper, so I have bad associations with it. But I was just thinking, I, honestly, this was about something completely different, but I was just thinking about two weeks ago, I bet wallpaper is due for a comeback <laughs> because it's been a long time. And, you know, there were 80 billion um, this old house and house remodeling shows where they're ripping the wallpaper mm-hmm. off the walls. And I thought, Okay, that went on for maybe two decades even, and that means it's about time for somebody to start being into wallpaper again. <laughs> and sure enough, see, my mother's old gold flock wallpaper is going to come back in. And we had the uh, wow. rice paper, the oh, uh, the, the bamboo It was like yes, bamboo rice paper wallpaper. It was, yeah. In my bedroom, I had grass cloth oh, yeah. on we one had that wall of my bedroom. On the wall going up the stairs, the kitchen was very 70s with giant, like Peter Matt's flowers. And uh, my on ma- a white background. My mother had gold flock fleur de lises. It's just no wonder I'm gay. Um, and she had those all in the entry hall, and she had them in the living room. And then eventually, in the late 80s, she tore down the wallpaper. When wallpaper was starting to get passe, she tore it down and she fabriced that wall that had the wallpaper oh, on right. it. Oh, that's right. There was fabric on that mm-hmm. wall up until yep. when we sold that house, when yep. your dad died. Wow. That's right. So wallpaper is apparently making a comeback. And I find this, I don't actually love like wallpaper, but I, I just it just seems inevitable that it would be making a comeback. And I bet you that there are people who make better looking wallpaper 
than when we were children. Okay. Even when we were children, there was good wallpaper, but none of our parents were going to spend the money on that. Yeah, it was expensive. I mean, there's always good wallpaper. It's just so expensive. It was so expensive. Crazy. And of course, you know, living, listen, living in New England, we also see wallpaper, but not, I, I don't mean just tacky wallpaper. I mean, we see some of these colonial homes that have the original hand-done wallpaper, and it is astounding. You're talking basically painted scenes on walls. Yeah, that and that's crazy. That's crazy old school stuff. But wallpaper is back, and they're saying, so the trendsetters are saying, that black is the new black. Well, black you know, is still black. I'm trying to imagine a black kitchen, but I actually can imagine. Yes. And we're not just talking black appliances. Well, I've seen a lot of black appliances. Yes. I've seen showcase kitchens where the walls are black. Where right. the cabinets are black. But black appliances um, are in. And in fact, if you've been watching any uh, of the trends, any if you pay any attention to kitchen magazines or anything, you can see that stainless steel is well on its way out. And black. Don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. <laughs> Bruce can't go we, fast we enough. We have stainless appliances. And we and just Bruce bought a new them. stainless refrigerator because <laughs> the point, we needed a refrigerator. And if I didn't get stainless, then I had to also get a new stove and dishwasher. I didn't want to do that. So we got it. We're just continuing my hatred of stainless steel appliances. He hates to clean it. And he wants to get black glass so he can mm-hmm. just spritz it and clean it mm-hmm. and be done with it instead mm-hmm. of using stainless steel cleaner. But if you have been watching any of the trends, you can see that stainless steel is definitely on its way out. The new homes tend to have black glass. And I have to say, it does have a chic look. I still like the old stainless steel look. I have to say... I mean, it's what we have, but I still like it. Uh, I, I don't know. It it looks more kitcheny to me. It, it does. looks more industrial to me, and I like that kind of industrial look. But I understand the appeal for black. Well, speaking of industrial looks, the next thing is sort of industrial. No upper kitchen cabinets. Yeah, this is big, and this has been coming on for the last several years. Open shelving, baby. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Now, the problem with open shelving, the upper kitchen cabinets are actually dominantly becoming passe. And you can see this in architectural magazines. You can watch this in food magazines like Food and Wine. Watch how the kitchens look in there, and you will see that uh, the shelving is open. In fact, now I notice that when Bruce and I go on sets to record either cooking classes or cooking videos, the shelves all around us are all just open shelves on sets. They don't put cabinets on sets anymore. The problem with open shelving, and I do love it, I love the look. I think it's very clean. It takes up much less space, and it feels airier than cabinets, and it takes up less physical space. But the problem is you've got to keep it really clean. Well, it's not even just keeping it clean and organized. Keeping it grease-free is almost impossible. Yeah, that's a Because tricky. kitchens are greasy, and you're going to get a fine mist of grease over all of your glassware, and then the dust sticks to the grease. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of don't know what I would do if we wanted an open, an open no cabinet thing. It's hard because the plates get greasy. They do over time now if you don't use them. But this is the other thing is, you know, I will admit that when guests show up for a dinner party at our house, I am one to shove things into cabinets and close the door fast. <laughs> so. That- 
<laughs> and suddenly there's a bag of flour sitting on top of the plates. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, there are ways to shut out the mess. And uh, open uh, shelving doesn't right. allow you to shut out the mess. Everything right. has to be perfect. When I was in my 20s, I was friends with this couple in Dallas, and he was an architect. And he was an architect in the kind of style of Frank Lloyd Wright. And they had open shelving in their kitchen, and I had never seen such things. This We're talking now the early 80s. I had never seen such things. It seemed so weird to me, these open shelves. And they were so OCD that all of the, let's say, baking powder and all the, you know, condiments in jars were all turned out so the labels faced out, you know, so well, it yeah, looked like a grocery store. Well, but see, that's the problem. But that's the problem with open shelving is that if you just shove your baking powder up there, it's going to look junky, right? Yeah. You've got to face it suddenly out as if it's a supermarket. So it's a problem. I think that if we redid our kitchen, I would argue for open shelving, but knowing that I was opening myself up to all kinds of problems. Well, one thing we could do is get rid of so much stuff that everything can go down below, and we well, don't even need anything I'm always for getting rid of stuff. Well, just one sad. thing that you can't get rid of is supersized refrigerators, because those are big. I know. The, it, they're getting, you know, we bought a new refrigerator this year, yep. and I swear we bought what I thought was a giant refrigerator, but it's like was one of the smallest I know, ones in it was the showroom. Like, like label petite or something. And it was <laughs> it's a like... French door refrigerator with fifteen <laughs> cubic feet. And I'm like, what? And this is a small one. But I think that this is if you just think about this for a second, I did about this trend for supersized refrigerators. I think this speaks to how a lot of people, of course, shop the salad bar, the prepared foods at their supermarket. They bring this stuff home. There is more and more of a need for a refrigerator. My grandmother and your grandmother, who went to the store way more often than I do. Daily, probably. Right, exactly. They didn't need a giant refrigerator, yeah. but now people have prepared foods. They pick up a rotisserie chicken. They pick up blah, 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 you know, mac and cheese, whatever they pick up. It's more and more cold. They've got their cold brew. They've got their their smoothies. They've got all that that goes in the fridge. So it kind of stands to reason that fridges would explode in size as prepared foods explode uh, well, in that popularity. Makes, that makes sense. But what doesn't make sense to me is the last thing on this list. I don't like it. Mirrored surfaces in your kitchen. Uh, yeah, that one's hard. God, once again, keeping it clean. The idea yeah. of a mirrored backsplash sounds so cool until it starts to get filthy. Think about your bathroom yeah. mirror, yeah. right? Yeah. How often do you have to clean that bathroom mirror because it's got stuff on it? Now imagine your backsplash. Oh, I can't even. I can't yeah, even. It's, it's really interesting. And let me tell you one other thing that's a huge trend, and this affects me because this is what we have, is I can tell you without a doubt in all of the trendsetting magazines and all the trendsetters out there, granite is out oh, as a countertop. And, it's, uh, and we have granite. <laughs> we paid extra for the kind of <laughs> granite we have. We were so proud of this granite it when we got it. It was beautiful when we got it almost 20 years ago. Yeah, I know. And it's gotten a little scratched up, but it's still beautiful when I clean it. Yes. The problem is the cleaning of it. Yes. it. The problem is keeping it shiny, and that is a constant problem with granite. I love the way you can just take something really hot out of the oven and just set it right oh, on the I granite. Oh, I love that. I don't even think about it anymore. Right. Things go right on the so counter. What they, what the, all the trendsetters say is in is wood, and that wood is wood, it. Wood, wood, wood. 
good. It's butcher block. It's all that kind of surface. Yeah. But the problem with that is butcher block, A, stains really oh, easily gosh, like crazy. Uh, we put butcher block in our back pantry, and it stains like crazy, and we're constantly scraping out the stains on it. Unless you like that look, and yeah. you like that worn-in stain look, which is the thing. Yeah, but which is know. why we didn't put marble in our kitchen. Because we said, oh, no, everything will get stained and up with rings. And you have to like that look. It has to, you want it to look like an old French bistro with 100-year-old stained marble. Yeah, well, I'm not going to be a 100-year-old person with a 100-year-old <laughs> stain. I can't live that long. I didn't save enough money. So I can't live that long. So um, the, the, the the wood, wood, wood is what's in. And granite is. is out. And granite is already becoming super dated. Let me just say that we uh, had some realtors in our house last year. And, you know, they were looking at our house and we were thinking about maybe leaving New England. We, of course, didn't in the end. But we were thinking about it. And uh, they did walk in our kitchen and it was this kind of, oh, granite kind of moment. Like, <laughs> like oh, oh, that. Yeah, we could probably sell it anyway. Right. <laughs> right. So um, I know it's really sad because we all loved granite. We paid a fortune for it. And now it's considered kind of out and passe. It's like the... What the psychedelic wallpaper from the seventies? It's it's a marker of a time period of the late nineties and early two thousands to what twenty ten. Yeah, it's just a marker of that time spot. Before we get to the next part of our podcast, our one minute cookie tip, let me just remind you that we have a newsletter. It's we do. You can sign up for it on our website bruceandmark.com or cooking with Bruce and Mark. Either place, the goal goes to the same place. There's a form there that you can fill out. I block my ability to see your email or your name so I can't sell it. You can find out all about us and our lives. The content of our newsletter is not the content of this podcast, nor of our cooking videos on TikTok. Yes, there are cooking videos on TikTok as well as Instagram reels. Check all of those out. And now, without any further ado, our one-minute cooking tip. Better cocktails start with better ice. <laughs> what do you mean by better ice? Ice is ice is ice. Isn't ice it? is not ice. If you live in a city with heavily chlorinated water uh -huh. and that's the ice you're uh -huh. putting in your gin, you're having gin with chlorine. We're uh -huh. having a vodka tonic and chlorine. Uh -huh. So make ice out of nice spring water and you'll have much better cocktails. Think about it. When you shake up a drink, like 80% of your drink is ice melt. You don't yeah. want crappy ice. 80% seems <laughs> a lot, but okay. It is, you're right. It, better water does make for better drinks. And if you do live in a city, consider using bottled water for your next party to make ice. I know that sounds ridiculous because then you're going to have to go get, yes. Ice cube trays. Ice tray. <laughs> so now you can be as old as I am with an ice cube tray. But, <laughs> uh, but you can go get them and then burn your fingers on the metal trays just like I <laughs> I did as a kid. Hey, you know what? We were tough. Listen, I want to tell you something. Growing up as I did, if you don't know it, I'm here to tell you that the news every night had to remind people that they had children. This just it's cracks me up. Do you know where your children That's are? That's the childhood we had. Is Our parents had to be reminded, oh, whoops, I got a kid. What do you know? So. We grew up tough. We got burned on ice trays. You can, too. Make better ice for better cocktails. 
Before we get to Bruce's interview, let me say that it would be great if you could rate and subscribe to this podcast. We are unsupported, and your support there is actually what helps keep us in the airwaves because it helps us be found by the algorithms. Thank you so much for doing that. Even just a comment like, nice podcast, does wonders for us. All right, up next, Bruce's interview with Leah Cephalo, the owner of Blue House Bagels, a brand new bagelry not very far from where we live. This is one of our food entrepreneur interviews. I love these. So up next, Bruce and lots about bagels. Today, I am speaking with Leah Cephalo. She is the owner and master bagel maker at Blue House Bagels. And Leah makes some of the best bagels I've had anywhere. And of all places, their shop, Blue House Bagels, is in Canton, Connecticut, just a few miles outside of West Hartford. Welcome, Leah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, as Mark, my husband, and I have discussed many times on this podcast, we are pretty picky about our bagels. And we're huge fans of New York bagels over the softer, sweeter Montreal-style bagels, and clearly, the old myth that it's New York City's drinking water that makes their bagels so great isn't true, because you're not in New York and your bagels are great. So how did you create such delicious New York City-style bagels in Northern Connecticut? So our bagels are a little a little bit different in, in the fact that we are sourdough-based, and it's a three-day fermentation process. So basically... We use sourdough, a sourdough starter. We use unbromated, unbleached flour. We use kosher sea salt. Our flour is also kosher. And we start the process three days before we actually serve the bagel. So we form our dough. We let it proof overnight. I'm giving away my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, on day two, we form our bagels. And they proof again overnight. And then on day three, we top and bake our bagels. With it being an all-natural product, we're not using any softeners like most bagel shops use. You know, we bake everything fresh that morning. I think that makes a huge difference. And all of our bagels are between 4.5 and 5 ounces. Each bagel gets weighed before it goes, you know, on our trays. So, and, and the reason why we decided to do this is because I also couldn't find a good, I mean, our, the bagels are 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 great around here but um you know my husband uh, is from new york uh we lived in new york uh, for a while um while he was in med school and you know we just wanted a place where people can get a really good bagel in a really nice atmosphere how did you learn how to make bagels so my kids love bagels and they you know we've always migrated to you know, to bagel shops. And my husband uh, became diabetic. And so I started making bagels at home using, um, you know, just all natural ingredients. Um, and I, you know, with my little mixer, I was able to make 12 bagels and it took forever. And again, I didn't have a commercial kitchen. I didn't have any of that. So then I was, I bought a little bit of a bigger mixer um, and I was burning out the mixers because the dough is so dense. <laughs> um, so, so basically, um, you know, my husband was able to eat these bagels and his blood sugar didn't spike and, and it kind of remains level and he really loved bagels and he was so sad that he couldn't have any bagels. So, you know, about two years ago, we found this building and it was pretty much in horrible shape, but we thought, oh, 
what a great idea. We're just going to open a bagel shop. So we had to, you know, go through the town and, and, you know, we had to get city water piped in because there was an indoor well, but here we are. And um, I'm glad we got to this point and I'm glad everybody's enjoying the bagels because that's, you know, it was kind of like, well, what if people don't like these bagels? <laughs> we did all of this, but, um, you know, it's, it's been good so far so i'm really happy and yeah well your bagels have an amazing surface they're the plain bagels are a little bubbly they're chewy are these bagels boiled they are not okay how does that work so we have a special oven it's a steam oven so it actually sprays the bagels with a fine mist of water which acts as boiling so the uh the process um the oven is set at um, such a temperature and uh, hydration. There is steam that happens for a certain amount of time, and then it stays in that steam for a certain amount of time, and then it vents out, and then the baking happens at a certain temperature, and then we drop the temperature at its final stages, and then we we serve the bagels. You've got the classics. You've got plain bagels, which again, that surface, that bubbly, crackly, chewy surface is amazing. You've got poppy, sesame. You make some unusual, untraditional flavors like chocolate and cheddar jalapeno. Do you use the same sourdough base for those unusual as you do for the plain? Yeah, all of our bagels are sourdough based. We will not, we don't put anything out that is not. We also do stuffed bagels, the bacon, egg, and cheese. We'll do French toast bagels. We also have the rosemary olive oil and the za'atar um, bagel, which people love. But yeah, so basically we're able to do the stuffed bagels because we're not boiling them in a, in, in a pot. Mm. So we can actually stuff the bagel and and put them in the oven and the steam, you know, will hold everything together. And so that's, you know, that's one of our little secrets as well. What's a French toast bagel? We dip the bagel uh, before it's baked in a French toast mix. So we do egg and cinnamon and vanilla and we do like a little egg, cinnamon, vanilla. And we, we have like this local bourbon uh, maple flavor that we throw in there as well. And then we also put on the top of the bagel um, some brown sugar and cinnamon topping, uh, and we bake it that way. We have a disagreement in our house about certain flavors. I love cinnamon raisin bagels. Um, Mark considers anything other than plain and maybe pumpernickel to be sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> Until he tasted your olive oil rosemary bagel. They're the perfect cross between the texture of a bagel and the flavor of focaccia. What inspired that bagel? So I grow herbs. I have a lavender plant that I'm going to be experimenting with soon. But I love rosemary. Um, I love growing herbs. We have a full garden now here on site. Um, and we plan on, you know, using that for our, our guests. So the rosemary olive oil, my family's Italian. My husband's Jewish. So, so rosemary olive oil is kind of in my blood. Um, so I decided to make a uh, rosemary infused olive oil and we just brush it on the bagel. Uh, we do, I add a little bit of the uh, sea salt to it and we love it. Leah, are there any flavor bagels you would consider too far and have opted not to make or is anything game in your bagel kitchen? 
think everything's pretty, you know, it, it all depends on what people like. And we're experimenting and people will, uh, you know, put things in our suggestion box that they want to see. And, and when we do them, sometimes they sell and sometimes they don't. It's a learning process. We're willing to experiment and try whatever. And if it sells, great. If it doesn't, then we just take it off our shelves. So many bagel shops love to advertise that they're hand rolled and Yours aren't. So why did you choose to go with a rolling machine? We do hand roll some bagels and I'll explain why. The machine is just a cleaner process. When it's going through the machine where it's not being handled as much, it's just quicker, it's cleaner. And we do have to hand roll certain types of bagels and they're very time consuming. And the more you handle sourdough, the more it kind of deflates. So we want to try to eliminate the hand rolling as much as possible. Um, so we have to hand roll cinnamon raisin bagels here because we're, we're actually hand cutting slits into the dough and putting the um, cinnamon, sugar, and raisin uh, mix right into the um, slits. So the cinnamon will kind of break down the sourdough as well. So we kind of want to be very gentle with that. And that can't go in the machine. And then also our chocolate bagels cannot go in the machine either because it's a stickier dough. So we, those all have to be hand rolled as well. So sometimes when you come in, you'll see that we don't have cinnamon raisin out on the shelves and we don't have the chocolate on the shelves. Um, and that's because it's so super time consuming and we just want to get our regular bagels out. And, th and then if we have time, we will do the chocolate and the cinnamon raisin bagels. Well, if you always have the olive oil rosemary and you always have your plain bagels, it's worth a road trip to Canton, Connecticut. Check out Blue House Bagels in Canton. Leah Safalo is the owner and the head bagel maker. She's making incredible bagels here in Connecticut. Hey, Leah, thanks for uh, sharing some time with me this morning. Thanks for having me. It was so funny when they opened. And it's a, still a bit of a hike for us to go it there. It is. It's, know, a, it's about minutes, a 30 minute drive. 30 minutes, yeah. But a it's, good bagel is worth it. It's a hike. And I have to say that we were both very snotty and we drove past <laughs> it and we're like, oh, God, what is it? Connecticut you know, bagels. Oh, my God. The New Yorkers but are just no. like, oh, gross. Oh, my goodness. They're so good. <laughs> they are really great bagels. <laughs> and so the good. olive oil rosemary bagels are delicious. I ate them with smoked salmon and cream cheese the other day. And they are so tasty. It's ridiculous. I'm so glad that people can follow their dreams and open their own food business. And in the spirit of that, let's talk about what's making us happy in food this week. Shallots roasted in chicken fat. <laughs> God. I know it seems obscure, but Mark and when I you did. you see your cardiologist again? Uh, next week. Okay, um, great. Mark and I do a monthly morning food segment on a Portland, Oregon morning TV show. And this morning, we did roasted chicken in a bunt pan with we potatoes did. and shallots. And Did you know a bunt pan will act as a vertical roaster for chicken? And it's nice. Then all the fat drips down into the bunt pan where mm. your shallots are. Mm -hmm. So your shallots poach and mm. roast in the rendering <laughs> chicken fat. It's confit. It's oh, shallot confit. Man, and that's, so that's what's making I had that for breakfast. You, that's good. That there had are potatoes Coke. down in there and shallots and the chicken roast in this vertical roaster. It's delicious. It's kind of amazing because there must be from our book, The Kitchen Shortcut Bible, mm. and a book that never really got the play that I thought that it needed. I mean, not that I think I'm so great. But it's big in Portland. 
It is apparently because they keep wanting us to have back on and have more recipes from the Kitchen Shortcut Bible. So up next, we're doing uh, kind of a downscale pan au chocolat and a we waffle are. iron. <laughs> so, Yum. I think get, I have to go upstairs and practice them right just now. Get, get ready. Okay. So what's making me happy in food this week is actually hard cider. And this is what's kind of amazing to me is I don't like hard cider. But Bruce and I were on NPR radio last week out of Albany, New York, and we went and had lunch at a ramen shop, Bruce found, and then we walked, oh, half a block down the street to where? Nine Pin Cider. The Nine Pin Cidery. And Nine Pin Hard Cider is totally delicious. I My problem with cider is it's, the hard cider is sweet. Well, they do have blueberry cider oh, or no, raspberry no, no. cider, no, but no, 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 they no. have some really good dry ciders. They call mm-hmm. it uh, Cider Monster. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. they have a large format 750 ml bottles that they mm-hmm. only mm-hmm. sell there. So we bought <laughs> six. So it's no good for anyone listening to this podcast unless you're in Albany. But they but... do sell nine pin, other varieties of nine pin yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. So we bought six of those large format bottles. I can't wait to break into them. Yeah, mm-hmm. check out nine pin cidery they are actually sold nationwide at this point and they're from albany and they make a really delicious dry cider there are some sweet ones too but for me and my money i can get a dry cider and it is totally delicious and it made me very very happy i even had a hard cider with ramen i know don't come at me don't (laughs) at me don't at me i can't help it we had a lemongrass we had a spicy Mm -hmm. lemongrass brisket ramen we did so good and i had a, a, a nine pen cider with it and it was delicious that's our show for this week thanks for joining in we know that there are a lot of podcasts out there and you could be listening to a lot of them but you're choosing to listen to us and we really appreciate it do you have a cider that you like hard cider go to our facebook group cooking with bruce and mark and tell us about it we love discovering new ciders and you can share all of your loves with us there cooking with bruce and mark and we'll see you back for another episode here of cooking with bruce and mark 